now, broadcasting from behind enemy lines, deep in the trenches of the Patriot resistance, leading the charge in the battle for liberty, this is the Jason Feely Program. Hello, my friends. Jason Veely here. This is the Jason Veely Program. I want to thank you very much for listening. The email address, thejasonveleyprogram at gmail.com. Uh, thejasonveleyprogram at gmail.com. And the Skype number. Give me a call, 860-266-2852. 860-266-2852. There's a chance that you might have to actually dial 1 um, before you call that number. I'm not quite sure. Uh, if it works without the one. So if, if you don't get through um, with the number I just read, try one 266 2852 Leave me a message. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. It's a bright and sunny day here in uh, Connecticut, ladies and gentlemen. Spring is right around the corner, and I could not be more excited. Um, I got spring fever bad. Every single year around this time, um, you know, mid-March, um, it's just, it, it really starts to, it doesn't even really start to warm up, uh, significantly. It's just, at this point, I'm just so sick of winter. We have these long, cold, dark New England winters and come March, I'm just so, so sick of it. So sick of it. Um, but it's, I think it's mid sixties here today, um, which is actually pretty high for this time of year and um it makes me want to get out and go fishing uh hopefully be able to do that sometime this weekend but anyway we got uh stuff to talk about tonight folks let me start with this i i was on the radio throughout uh barack obama's entire presidency all eight years i i was on the radio doing um a podcast I believe in the beginning of the Obama era, the very beginning. Um, I, I think actually for the beginning of Obama's presidency, I was doing uh, the local access television show. But regardless, either radio or TV, some kind of political commentary um, throughout Barack Obama's entire eight years in office. And I've actually been thinking a lot about those eight years uh, in the past couple of weeks as I restarted this this radio program because I've been comparing and contrasting Biden to Obama. Um, and there's a lot of similarities, many of which I've talked about on this program. I've, I've made it clear that both Biden and Obama um, are seeking to fundamentally transform the United States of America. I, I think I said in episode one, that Joe Biden is trying to complete that fundamental transformation, transform this country into something that we are not. However, one significant difference that I've noticed between Biden and Obama is that Barack Obama seemed to implement his radical left-wing agenda a bit slower. He was a bit more methodical. It was just as radical, don't get me wrong. Um, but he seemed to, he seemed to do it in increments. That is progressivism, essentially, right, ladies and gentlemen? The strategy behind progressivism is to slowly transform society, so slowly in many cases that the American people don't even know, uh, their, their society is being transformed. That seemed to be Barack Obama's strategy. Joe Biden, on the other hand... Um, is just kind of, you know, like a bull out the gate. This man is, is, um, you know, firing on all cylinders here. Just, you know, radical law after radical law after radical law. I mean, he's acting, he's governing, um, and, you know, trying to advance this transformation like he only has until the summer to destroy our country, like he's on some kind of time limit, like there's no time to waste. It's terrifying. Again, it's, I don't think it's any more or less radical than Barack Obama's agenda, or I should say the way that Barack Obama implemented his agenda. Um, 
it, it's no more or less radical. It's just a different strategy. But it's it's terrifying because of how quick things are moving. And if us conservatives don't stay ahead of the game, um, we're we're going to not be in a good place. And so that's what I try to do every time I sit down behind this microphone is I try to stay ahead of the game and in many cases try to predict what Joe Biden's going to do next. Again, I, I've been observing leftists for years now. And I don't just mean leftists, you know, at school and, and in my friend groups and so forth. I mean congressional liberals. I know how they think. I know what they're going to do next. And so I, I am, I'm, again, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay ahead of it here because things are moving extremely quickly. Extremely quickly. Take, for example, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, coronavirus relief bill that was just passed. The I think it was $1.9 trillion bill that really didn't do a whole lot to address the coronavirus at all, but was mostly a pro-Democrat, um, pro-liberalism bill that advanced the left's agenda. That's really what it was. It was a spending bill that sent money to Democrat programs. That's what it was. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, the left wing, they're out there praising this thing and celebrating it. Like it was some kind of big accomplishment for the country. It wasn't a big accomplishment for the country. It might have been a big accomplishment for the far left, for Joe Biden and his ilk, but not for us. Not for us. I want to play this audio for you of Jen Psaki, this nut job, again, celebrating what she considers the most progressive bill in American modern history. The $1.9 trillion coronavirus, a.k.a. Democrat spending bill. Listen to this. A U.N. report out today says the U.S. is among the countries lagging behind on climate-friendly projects in COVID economic recovery spending throughout the globe. Uh, when is this administration going to start moving forward on the $2 trillion climate change package that was such a big part of then-candidate Biden's uh, campaign? It's only day 49, well, Jonathan. The, the UN is we're, we're- Jonathan, it's only day 49. Don't you know we have so much more time to implement a radical agenda here? We've done a lot in these past 49 days to destroy the country. Yes, yes, we have. So we should be celebrating here. We just passed $1.9 trillion spending be- uh, uh, Democrat spending bill. So, you know, that's cause for celebration, Jonathan. We're about to pass a historic, the most progressive bill in American history. Yes. It's, it's passing yeah. today. Uh, look, I, I would say that the president believes that, and he talked about this on the campaign trail, as you, as you mentioned, was certainly a promise of his, that uh, we can create the, the United States and many other countries around the world will we'll focus on here, can create good-paying union jobs that are also consistent with our objective of adjust- addressing the climate. Can I ask a question? Why, how come every time this woman speaks, it's like she just ran a marathon? I, I mean, she, she talks so fast. It's like she can't get her thoughts out quick enough. It's, it's weird. I, I don't know. She's horrible at explaining things, in my opinion, and... I think that's because, in many instances, she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. And so she tries to talk fast to um, cover up her lack of knowledge on the issues. If I just talk fast enough, maybe they won't notice. All right, keep listening. Climate crisis. And certainly that is central to how he's thinking about his agenda moving forward. Those policy discussions are still ongoing, uh, but I can assure you that uh, he intends to deliver on the promises he made on the campaign trail and intends to deliver on the promises he made about creating good-paying union jobs that uh, also are consistent with his goal of addressing the climate. So, uh, yeah, we got to address the climate, don't you know? We've only been trying to do that for the past three decades. Hasn't really done anything, but that's okay. We need to address the climate now. The Earth only has so much time left, don't you know? Even though we've been saying that for decades and nothing has happened, we need to act now. More money, more money, more programs, more government. And we're not going to stop there. No, no, no. We're not going to stop at the $1.9 trillion Democrat spending bill, a.k.a. coronavirus bill. We're not going to stop at tackling climate change and spending $2 trillion on that. 
we're going to keep going with reparations and infrastructure spending and all the rest. That's the Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, and they celebrate this. And they celebrate this. They celebrate enslaving future generations under piles and piles of debt. Ladies and gentlemen, I think about my children, my future children. I don't have them yet, but that's coming within the next five years. And I think about one day my grandchildren. What kind of country are they going to live in? I mean, we talk about spending trillions of dollars like it's nothing now. Trillions! On crap! But they just keep moving on. They just keep pressing forward. They're moving very quickly here. We need to stay ahead of them. Breitbart.com outlined five far-left promises that Joe Biden has kept in his first 50 days in office. This was published yesterday. Number one, revoking the Keystone XL pipeline. In May 2020, the Biden campaign released a statement saying he will, quote, proudly stand in the Roosevelt Room again as, as president and stop it for good, when referring to the Keystone XL pipeline. Which, by the way, put um, hundreds and, and thousands of people out of work. But they don't really give a damn, ladies and gentlemen. They don't really care. No, we gotta save the environment, don't you know? Even though this was not a threat to the environment. Um, it it clearly did more good than harm. Clearly. But Joe Biden got rid of it, and now 70,000 Americans are out of work. Wonderful, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, what, didn't he do that on, like, day one? Or day two, right after he took office? All right, we're done with the Keystone Pipeline. Boom! 70,000 Americans out of, out of work. Great start. Great start, Joe. Great start. Number two, ending migration controls. In March 2020, Biden promised to end Trump's Remain in Mexico program, which helped effectively end the practice of border crossers being released into the U.S. interior while they await their asylum hearings, also known as catch and release. Trump ended that. Biden brought it back. Why? I don't know. In a statement when he ended this Remain in Mexico policy, uh, Biden said, this was, uh, I guess, a, a tweet from, oh, this is a tweet from, uh, was this early? Oh, this was uh, last year when he was running. Um, Biden tweeted, Donald Trump's Remain in Mexico policy is dangerous, inhumane, and goes against everything we stand for as a nation of immigrants. My administration will end it. And they did just that. But it's not inhumane at all. And you know what? Ladies and gentlemen. It's. There has to be some responsibility. For the people who. Put themselves in this situation. If you come up to the border. um, And you're trying to get into the country. And then you're detained. In Mexico. Well, who's to blame for that situation? You. You. But Biden, of course, calls our laws inhumane. How about they, they, the people trying to get into this country, do their best to themselves avoid these quote-unquote inhumane laws and practice? So Joe Biden did that, and now... Several American communities in places like Texas and Florida are in, are in jeopardy. These people are being released into our communities. Number three, pledge to get back into the World Health Organization. In July 2020, Biden pledged to join the WHO on his first day in office. He has done that after Donald Trump took us out. As one of his first executive orders in January, Biden wrote to the United Nations to declare that the U.S. would not be leaving 
the WHO despite concerns about China's dominance and WHO's failure on the coronavirus. Well, of course, Joe Biden doesn't care about China's dominance in in the WHO, which it does, by the way. China absolutely dominates the World Health Organization. Absolutely dominates it. Joe Biden doesn't care because, really, he's a slave to China. (laughs) Honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves. America first, right, ladies and gentlemen? America first. No longer. It's now America last. Number four, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. In November 2020, Biden promised to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord on his first day in office. He did that. This disastrous Paris Climate Accord that, again, is America last. America gets so damn screwed over in this godforsaken treaty, whatever the hell you want to call it. Paris Climate Agreement. Paying trillions and trillions of dollars over the years. For what exactly? For what? And meanwhile, other people, other countries that are in this uh, agreement, like India and like China, they're not doing a damn thing. They're not paying nearly as much as the United States is. Don't tell me Joe Biden has this country in in his best interests. Absolutely absurd. To fight climate change. Yes, we gotta fight climate change, don't you know? Over the past 50 years, the temperature has gone up by point zero 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 one degree. We gotta do something now! We're all gonna die. Number five, halting deportations for most illegal aliens. Continuously throughout the 2020 presidential campaign, Biden promised to ensure that illegal aliens are not deported until they are convicted felons, or uh, convicted of felonies. The only deportations that will take place is convictions of felonies in the United States of America, Biden said in March 2020. Is that the test? Is that what our immigration laws say? That if, if you're here illegally... You can stay as long as you don't commit a felony. Where does it say that, Joe? Where do our immigration laws say that? In the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency memos, Biden has prevented agents from arresting and deporting about 9 in 10 illegal aliens who would have otherwise been detained. Specifically, the enforcement guidelines stop agents from deporting an illegal alien unless they are a recently convicted aggravated felon. There you go, folks. There you go. Now, you never-Trump Republicans out there who decided to, uh, to vote for Joe Biden because you thought he was a better alternative than Donald Trump. Are you happy? You happy? I I know that there's a lot of them out there, by the way. These never-Trump Republicans who, who, whose hatred for Donald Trump actually drove them to vote for a radical leftist Democrat like Joe Biden. Because they said, well, Joe Biden can't be nearly as bad as Donald Trump. Sure, he's a Democrat, but who cares? He won't be that bad. Are you happy now? Are you happy now? Folks, conservatives have their backs pushed against the wall right now. We do. We have our backs pushed against the wall. And we have to keep fighting. And in order to keep fighting, we need to have stamina here. It's not enough to fight for a week, fight back for a month, or worse, you know, spend a couple months fighting and then take a couple months off. We need we need to oppose this. We need to fight this every damn day of this presidency. Every damn day we need to be fighting this. 
it's going to be a lot because again as i as i said at the beginning of the show things are moving quickly the biden administration is moving incredibly fast so i'm just saying that we conservatives even though we're pushed against the wall right now we we have to be willing to be in this for the long for the long run This is the fight of our lives. And by the way, folks, let me just make one more quick point. I was thinking about this today, too, while I was doing show prep and reading that article from Breitbart about everything that Joe Biden has accomplished, quote-unquote, in his first 50 days. You know, us conservatives, we're on the right side of history. I want you to remember that. It's something that I admittedly don't consider nearly enough. I don't think about for whatever reason. But when you do think about it, it it relights that fire inside of me. It makes me want to keep at it, keep fighting. We're on the right side of history here. The framers of this country believed in the people, not in the government. The Constitution was written for we the people, not we the government. The framers believed in a limited government. A limited government. Freedom. Individualism. Personal responsibility. This is what we're all about. These are things that the Democrats reject. And so I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that if our goal is to restore this country to the ideals of our framers, again, constitutionalism, small, limited government, freedom, then conservatives have to be the ones leading the charge. Conservatives are the only ones that can lead the charge. Who else is going to do this? Who else is going to fight? The Republican establishment? No. It's up to us conservatives. We are in many ways the last line of defense. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Jason Veely Program. Conservatives, how many times have you been called a racist by someone on the left? What about sexist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right-wing radical extremist? These are all buzzwords that liberals use as a means of labeling conservatives as something that they're not. And let me tell you something, I, like most of you, am getting pretty damn sick of it. That's why I started my own conservative comedy series, Living with a Liberal. Hosted on the popular video sharing app TikTok, Living with a Liberal features two fictional characters, played by yours truly, whose political differences could not be more obvious. It's a comedic take on the modern-day liberal Democrat, because if they can brand us as racists and bigots, we can brand them as triggered, oversensitive snowflakes. Check out Living with a Liberal today on TikTok. Just search Jason Veely and you'll be taken right to my homepage. I have over 100 episodes on there, so you won't be short on content anytime soon. Enjoy. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveleyprogram at gmail.com. Or if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail. 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, folks, here's another gem published by Breitbart.com yesterday. White House mistakenly tells migrants in Spanish, Border is not closed. Border is not closed. Oh, yeah, it's wide open. Come on in. We're having a grand old time here. Criminals, felons, drug traffickers, come on in. It's a, it's a good time. 
White House National Secretary Council Advisor Roberta Jacobson mistakenly told migrants that the southern border was open during the White House press briefing on Wednesday. Yesterday. During the briefing, Jacobson switched from English to Spanish and said, quote, here we go, gonna try to gonna try to get back to my days in middle school when I had to take Spanish class. She said, quote, La frontera no esta cerrada, which means the border is not closed. After a White House aide handed her a slip of paper later in the briefing, Jacobson corrected her statement to say, La frontera esta cerrada. Boy, can you tell that can you tell that English is my first language and not Spanish? Um, so essentially, she said at first, the border is not closed, and then someone comes in. She said that in Spanish, by the way. And then someone comes in and hands her a slip of paper, and she corrects herself and says, actually, the, the border is closed. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's just fantastic. That's great. Yeah, invite them in. Invite them in. Because... What we need right now, ladies and gentlemen, don't you know, is confusion. More confusion for people who might be south of the border, watching our leaders, listening to what they say. Last thing we... the, the, the What we need right now, don't you know, is for them to hear, yeah, the border is open. Coming across the airwaves. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Look, obviously, folks, I don't think she meant to say that the border is, uh, uh, what, what did she say? I don't think she meant to say that the border is not closed. I think this was simply a, um, a messaging error. I think that she, I think that she thought she was supposed to say, um, the border is not closed because she thought that that's what the, the message she was supposed to deliver to the public was. But then I think, Someone else came in and said, actually, no, the border is closed. That's the messaging. You got to say that. And then she switched it up. So I think it was a messaging error here, which really boggles my mind. The fact that there is this mix up in communication among the Biden administration on what our immigration laws are and what they aren't. Why is there any confusion about this? Why is there any confusion? Is the border open or is it not? Shouldn't everyone be on the same page about this? I get the feeling, ladies and gentlemen, and by the way, that Roberta Jacobson is Biden's border czar. Takes me back to the Obama years when when that guy had like, what, 20-something czars? Anyway. I don't know why there's confusion about the messaging at all, but apparently I'm not the only one that questions this. Fox News reporter Peter uh, Ducey also questioned whether or not there's a messaging problem coming from the White House. Is there a messaging problem? Take a listen. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Uh, you've been telling migrants from right there for a month now, all the way back to February 10th, that now is not the time to come. But they are coming in bigger numbers every day. So do you have a messaging problem? Well, I would say that in the last administration, we had a morality problem. And uh, children were being pulled from the arms of their parents. And kids were being set, uh, sent back on a treacherous now, journey. And look, that's- look how... Liberals have attention deficit disorder. I swear to God. I swear to God. They can't focus. Ask a simple question. Well, Donald Trump did this. No, no, that's not the question. That's not the question. I mean, it's like taking a math test. The question is, what's two plus two? And you write down, well, you know, the other day I went out and got a nice fish taco for dinner. It was actually pretty good. What? Answer the damn question! God, this woman is just so damn stupid. I'm sorry. She diverts. She, she, she doesn't have any interest in, in answering tough questions. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Don't you miss, uh, 
what was her name? Kaylee McEnany? I do. I sure as hell do. Keep listening. It's not the approach of this administration. So right, of certainly we not. understand that means there will be more kids who are crossing the border. We made a policy decision that that was the right humane step to take. But I think it's also important for people to understand that the vast majority of people well, who come for hu- to uh, our for border. For who, by the way? To keep them in, in the country when they're detained. To not send them back to Mexico um, to wait trial. Who was who that humane for? Because I just played audio yesterday from uh, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, who's saying that in, in Florida, they're releasing illegal aliens into their communities, and these are bad people. Sex offenders, felons, people who have been charged with crimes, um, many of many crimes involving firearms and so forth, I believe she said. These are dangerous people. So, you know, she's talking about being humane. I'm just wondering, humane for who? Certainly not the American people. Puts them in jeopardy. Puts their lives at risk. America last. We keep coming back to that, folks. It's it's so true. America last is the slogan of this administration. Keep listening. Are turned away, are sent back uh, to their countries. What we're talking about here are unaccompanied children. And what our focus is on is ensuring that there are uh, safe places for these kids to go that have access where they have access to educational resources, health uh, and medical attention, uh, legal assistance as needed, and that we can expedite the vetting so that they can get to families and sponsors uh, where they can uh, have their cases adjudicated. But since the last administration is gone, tomorrow's 50 days of Biden. There are migrants showing up wearing T-shirts that say, Biden, please let us in. And candidate Biden is the one who said, I would end this notion for the first time in history that people seeking asylum have to be in squalor on the other side of the river. Why doesn't he come out and just say, now is not the time? Because he's a coward. I'll answer for you, because he's a coward. And because he doesn't believe it. Because he doesn't believe it. I made the case yesterday. Um, or it might have been Tuesday show, I'm not quite sure. I, I made the case that there's at least part of Joe Biden that is embracing all of this. Embracing this chaos at the border. Embracing migrants trying to get into the country. Um, because it it is politically expedient for the Democrat Party. It benefits liberalism it benefits his agenda and so you know jen uh, saki she she can you know slap a happy face on this and and say well you know we're doing this and this and this and we're really taking it to them we're really trying to solve this issue they're really not they're really not the fact of the matter is these people are still trying to get in They're still trying to get in. As this Fox News reporter noted, they're coming up wearing Joe Biden, please let us in shirts. You know why it's not working, ladies and gentlemen? You know why um, they're still trying to get in? Because no matter what anyone in the Biden administration says, hell, even if Joe Biden did come out and say, don't come to the southern border. Don't try to get in right now. Even if Biden said that, we'd still have this problem. Because Democrats will be Democrats. Illegal aliens know that. And they know that regardless of warnings about coming to the border, they know that if they can get into the country, they'll have it easy for at least four years. And so they're they're largely going to ignore warnings and come anyway. It's worth it to them. So I again the the Democrats can shout even though they're really not. Um they can shout don't come to the border as often and as frequently as as they want. It doesn't change the fact that they still support liberal policies that are attracting these people to the country. 
Keep listening. Well, he actually did an interview with Univision about a week or week and a half ago where he conveyed a similar message. And we've conveyed that at every opportunity that we have. I will say we, we are, as you noted, almost 50 days in. We are dig- digging ourselves out of a broken and dismantled system. Now she's going to bring up Donald uh, Trump again. Going to bring up Donald we're, Look, we're doing everything we can here. We're digging ourselves out of a broken system. I keep hearing that phrase, by the way. Broken system. We Donald Trump had a broken immigration system. What was broken about it exactly? Are you are you meaning to tell me that existing immigration laws are broken? Because really all Donald Trump was doing was trying to enforce immigration laws that were already on the books. That's all he was doing. He was trying to secure the border, as it should be. What was broken about that? What was broken about it? Now listen, I'm not saying that there isn't any room for improvement for our immigration system. There's been room for improvement for years. Didn't start with Donald Trump. And it won't end with Joe Biden. There's always room for improvement. But that doesn't mean we have to open the border up and let, you know, uh, thousands, tens, tens of thousands of illegal aliens in. Doesn't mean we have to give uh, amnesty to 11 million illegals already in the country. That's not a fix to the quote unquote broken system. It's unreal. We're going to end that clip there because I can't take any more of her voice, quite frankly. She's annoying as hell. Do you guys get a sense of that too, by the way, that this Jen Psaki is just, I mean, she makes my ears bleed. Every time I play a clip of her, I I have to blot my ear just to make sure it's not bleeding. Most of the time it is. (laughs) Oh, good God, ladies and gentlemen. Good God. All right. When we get back, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about this recall effort. Um, for Gavin Newsom in California. It's ramping up speed, and uh, quite frankly, I can't say I blame the people of California for wanting to get rid of this guy. That and more when I return. Stick with me. Conservatives. How many times have you been called a racist by someone on the left? What about sexist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right-wing, radical extremist? These are all buzzwords that liberals use as a means of labeling conservatives as something that they're not. And let me tell you something. I, like most of you, am getting pretty damn sick of it. That's why I started my own conservative comedy series, Living with a Liberal. Hosted on the popular video-sharing app TikTok, Living with a Liberal features two fictional characters, played by yours truly, whose political differences could not be more obvious. It's a comedic take on the modern-day Liberal Democrat, because if they can brand us as racists and bigots, we can brand them as triggered, oversensitive snowflakes. Check out Living with a Liberal today on TikTok. Just search Jason Veely and you'll be taken right to my homepage. I have over 100 episodes on there, so you won't be short on content anytime soon. Enjoy. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveelyprogram at gmail.com. Or if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail. 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, folks, there's been an effort underway in the state of California for several months now, actually. The socialist state of California, if not worse. Um, to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, I have a good friend of mine um, who lives in California um, who I 
I've spoken to a little bit about this, and I've seen just certain things that he he uh, posts on social media and so forth about this topic. From what he says, um, politically speaking, California is uh, a cesspool. Oh, I'm paraphrasing there. I'm not quoting the guy, but um, that that's what he thinks of it. And that that's a view that's shared by millions of others living in California. It's a cesspool right now. It really is because of top-down liberal policies, because of big overarching government. So again, this, this effort to recall the governor, I can't really say I'm surprised, honestly, because the guy is ruining that state. Now, I've been to California, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful, there, there are parts that are beautiful. Um, I would, I would visit again. Wouldn't say too, too long, honestly, because, well, for, for different reasons, but, um, it's, it is a beautiful state with a lot of potential is my point. A lot of potential. If, if that state actually embraced free market capitalism and small government, if government just got the hell out of the way. That state would flourish. Believe me. That state would flourish. And it's a damn shame that instead they're governed by a man, Gavin Newsom, who believes in big government, massive regulations, massive taxes, and all the rest. I can't blame people of California for trying to get rid of them. I can't blame them. Gavin Newsom is dragging your state to hell. Spending billions on on social programs and, you know, massive taxes and harsh regulations, these COVID restrictions that he has put in place, killing businesses, leading to poverty and homelessness. The streets are riddled with crap, literal crap in some areas. It's, it's, um, it really is a shame. It really is a shame, ladies and gentlemen. I did a little research. I found this opinion piece written by someone named Sophia Balig, uh, published today. Is Gavin Newsom an out-of-touch elite? Why recall supporters can't stand him? Now, again, I don't live in California, obviously. And so uh, the extent of my knowledge when it comes to someone like Gavin Newsom is just based solely on what I hear from people like my friend living there and what I read. And so this really shed some light on on what's going on, this this, uh, opinion piece. Let me read a little bit. Tyrant, idiot, ass, jerk. Those are just some of the words recall proponents use to describe California's 40th governor. They are people like Glenda Roybal, who lives in Santa Clarita but traveled all the way to Sacramento on Sunday for a rally organized by groups who wanted to get rid of Gavin Newsom. Sitting in a folding chair across the street from the Capitol, she listed the reasons she doesn't like Newsom. They include his dinner at the swanky uh, French laundry restaurant and his decision to send his kids to in-person private school while her grandchildren struggle with remote learning. So she's essentially saying that Newsom is completely out of touch. He's an elitist. He's an elitist. And by the way, you listening out there, anyone who lives in California, feel free to write me an email and and let me know what you think of the man. The Jason Veely program at gmail.com. Roybal said, it's time to get rid of this narcissist tyrant. He's an idiot. The picture Roybal paints of Newsom as an elitist who doesn't follow his own policies the way regular Californians are supposed to is echoed by other recall supporters. In multiple interviews, they described a Democratic governor who destroyed livelihoods with his COVID-19 lockdown policies. They see him as someone in it for himself, someone who doesn't care about ordinary people like them. There's many... Democrats out there like that, by the way. 
Just saying, because they're power hungry. Just saying. Over and over again, they mention the fact that these are the people who support the uh, recall efforts. Over and over again, they mention the fact that he once attended the kind of group gathering he had urged others to avoid. The fact that the event was at the fancy French laundry um, is particularly irritating. Few are sympathetic to his side of the story. What is his side of the story, by the way? Does he have a side of the story? No, there is just the truth. That's all there is. There's just the truth that California right now is being dragged to hell by liberal policies. He argued in his State of the State address this week that California has come through the worst of the pandemic with a relatively low per capita death rate that the state dramatically increased its testing and hospital capacity and that California now outranks some larger countries, including France and Germany, with its vaccination rates. Well, yeah, you know, it's just it's swell to live in California. Thank you, Gavin Newsom. We shouldn't be trying to recall you. We shouldn't be criticizing you. At, no, 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 no. We need to be thanking you. Oh, for doing everything that you're doing for the people of California. Destroying their liberty, shutting businesses down. You're great. You're fantastic. Now, speaking of the state of the state address, I do have audio from this. Um, Gavin Newsom addressed his critics, though he didn't specifically mention the recall effort, um, he did respond to his growing number of critics. Listen to what he had to say. You know, I, I know our progress hasn't always felt fast enough. And look, we, we've made mistakes. I, I have made mistakes, but we own them. We learn from them and we never stop trying. After all, that's that's the California spirit. We're bent. Now, doesn't it sound like he's doing like a campaign, uh, campaign speech here? I don't know about you guys, but to me, it sounds an awful lot like a like he's out on the campaign trail. And I think that's because he's deep down or not so deep down terrified of being recalled. Keep listening, but not broken, bloodied, but unbowed, resolved to make brighter days ahead. Brighter to... days. Do brighter days, by the way, include more businesses shutting down, people out of work, and more taxes, and and all the rest? More poverty, more feces in the street. Is that what you mean by brighter days, Gavin Newsom? I'm just curious as to what what you mean by that, because that's what you've caused in California. Keep listening. Let the pain of last year to deter us from the hopeful. It's not just the pain of last year, you moron. It's the pain of your policies. Yeah, COVID, you know, last year was crappy for all of us. Because as a whole, COVID-19 hit us hard and we had to do what we had to do. But don't pass the buck here. Don't just say, yeah, you know, last year was hard because of COVID-19. No, no, no. It was hard, particularly for the people of California, because of you. Because of you. Your lockdowns, your restrictions, your regulations. Because of you. I just want to make that clear. Keep listening. This of tomorrow. Look, the state of our state, it remains determined. I remain determined. And I just want you to know, we're not going to change course just because of, of a few naysayers and, and doomsdayers. So to the California critics out there who are promoting partisan political power grabs with outdated prejudices. And- I don't think this is partisan, by the way. I think this is uh, I think this is actually bipartisan, this recall effort. I think there's many Democrats on board with this, too, who who are thankfully just starting to see the light. So I, I, for him to say that this is a partisan effort, I don't think that's entirely accurate. He may, that that's maybe, you know, the image that he wants to paint for himself. Oh, well, these are just a bunch of naysayers, just a bunch of partisan hacks trying to attack me. I think it's more than that. I, I really do. I think it's more than that. Rejecting everything that makes California truly great, we say this. 
We will not be distracted from getting shots in arms and our economy booming again. This is a fight for California's future. Yeah. Yeah, fight for California's future. I, I feel bad for the people living in California. I really do. I really do. Now, look, I, me being from Connecticut, I kind of know what it's like. Connecticut's no California. But when you're talking about, you know, on the topic of liberal policies destroying a state, um, Connecticut certainly comes to mind. Connecticut certainly comes to mind. I know Connecticut's a small state, and a lot of people out there probably probably forget it exists from time to time. But Connecticut is bluer than blue. We have uh, a radical governor, uh, Ned Lamont. We have radical senators, Chris Murphy and uh, Richard Blumenthal. And by the way, Richard Blumenthal, if you ever wanted to... Uh, wanted to know what a hybrid lizard human would look like, just look up a picture of Richard Blumenthal, um, and that'll give you your answer. I'm just I'm just uh, making an observation, that's all. Don't shoot the messenger. But there you go. There you go. There's Gavin Newsom. Apparently he's not going to, uh, he won't step down. Um, he's going to fight this. And you know what really... What really frustrates me and what I'm sure frustrates a lot of people living in California is his his um, lack of ability to take this seriously. He doesn't he's not taking really any responsibility for any of this, is he? He's destroying the state. And what does he do? He just says, well, you know. There's people out there concerned, but they're just a, you know, they're they're in the minority. They're just a bunch of naysayers and uh, doomsayers and and all the rest. And um, they're they're a partisan group. No, no, nothing to worry about. Instead of actually saying, you know what, there's a lot of people in my state right now with legitimate concerns. I want you to know that I've heard you. I want you to know that I've heard you. Imagine if you said that. You Democrats out there, does this sound like a man that truly cares about the concerns of the people? No, it doesn't. This sounds like a man who wants to stay in power at all costs. Like, quite frankly, Andrew Cuomo. Another idiot who won't step down despite people on both sides calling for him to do so. I don't know, folks. These Democrats, they're something else. They really, truly are. But with that, folks, it's time to wrap up for the week. I'll be back next Tuesday for another week of conservative talk radio. Until then, have a great weekend. God bless. And God save this great nation.